This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Oh, we're looking forward to Saturday night in a World Welterweight Championship fight for Terrence Bud Crawford. As he defends against an undefeated challenger in Jose Benavides. Welcome in. To the latest edition of Big Fight Weekend. Can't wait for this one. It'll be shown all over the country on regular cable TV. ESPN will have the coverage Saturday night and all of the mayhem of the college football that will be going on throughout the day. We'll be getting amped up, cranked up for this showdown scheduled for 12 rounds for Crawford's World Boxing Organization Welterweight Championship belt. Looking forward to previewing this fight coming up. My man Ari Russell will be here. He's based in the New York City area, has great historical perspective on boxing. We've already had him on on our previous Big Fight Weekend coverage of both the Canelo Triple G fight and the Anthony Joshua Alexander Povetkin fights. Ari is back with me to talk about the welterweight division, Crawford's place in it, this showdown. What kind of chance does Jose Benavides have with some knockout power and unbeaten record? A very interesting story for Benavides as well. Ari Russell will be here with me a little bit later on. After Ari is done, we will talk with a guy that is twofold with us. He's a huge boxing fan, first and foremost. He was ringside for Terrence Crawford's ninth-round knockout win over Australia's Jeff Horn in June, where Crawford captured this World Welterweight Championship that he's making the first defense of on Saturday night. But not only that, he's the president of Fat Dog Spirits and a brand-new uh, item called Touch Vodka, high-end uh, adult beverage He's going to tell you more about Touch Vodka, how it came about, the story, and how you can get your hands on it. So Ron Bartholomew will be with me a little bit later on talking fights, talking Touch Vodka, and much more. All right, so let's get into the nuts and bolts of this one real quick before we get on to Ari Russell and the conversation that we're going to have about the matchup itself. Crawford comes in at 33-0, and making the first defense of this WBO championship that he won back on June the 9th. Again, a ninth-round TKO over the champion Jeff Horn. Previously, uh, Crawford had unified the junior welterweight championship, the 140-pound championship, with a third-round knockout of Julius Indongo. Uh, we'll talk more with Ari Russell about the body shot that did it in Dongo. And on that night, he captured all the belts, the four major organizations, the World Boxing Organization, the World Boxing Association, or WBA, the World Boxing Council, or WBC, and the International Boxing Federation, the IBF. He had all four belts just briefly. They ended up stripping him of a couple of them because he wouldn't fight mandatory challengers. He said, you know what? I'm going to move up and fight in welterweight anyway and go fight Jeff Horn and beat him, take his belt. That has now happened in Las Vegas, and now this is the first defense of that title we mentioned Jose Benavides more on his story uh, in a couple of moments when we talk with Ari Russell but this is an unbeaten fighter as well 27 and 0 18 knockouts born in California training and living in Arizona right now as well sharing times as well in, in California so Benavides is not unheralded he's won a couple of fights here in 2018 including a first round knockout on the undercard of the Crawford Horn fight in June so a big right hand from Benavides. He's got the size advantage, the reach advantage. 
This is not a pushover here, a walkover. It will be a wild environment in Omaha, and Benavides has got to deal with that and with Crawford as well. So that sets the stage for this edition of Big Fight Weekend, however you found us, through RadioInfluence.com, or whether you're subscribing, you should be on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. It is Big Fight Weekend. Whenever there's a big fight coming around, we'll preview it. We'll recap it. In this case, WBO Welterweight Championship. Terrence Crawford's first defense, unbeaten American against fellow American Jose Benavides. Coming up Saturday night on ESPN as we continue in the preview mode on Big Fight Weekend. Always back with me, ready to mix it up some more in the preview mode of Crawford and Benavides, the World Welterweight Championship fight, WBO version of the belt coming Saturday night. ESPN will televise on regular cable all over the place. You can see it as well uh, with their app, etc. So this is a big championship fight in the midst of all of the college football, as we've been talking about. Uh, that will be going on on Saturday evening. So it's perfect for a big fight weekend and perfect to help me preview it is my man from up in the Northeast, up in the New York area. Uh, again, uh, he loves the fisticuffs. Not not his own, but he loves watching the fisticuffs. He's Ari Russell back with me. Are you ready for some welterweight big punches to be thrown for Crawford and Benavides? Hello there. Absolutely, TJ. 100% always am. Yeah, definitely don't want to get in a fight with me. You'll win, <laughs> most likely. So but you're, you I know what, you're I mean, a lot I, I like, can... you're a lot like Crawford. You might go low to the body on somebody, though. The body, like Rocky, the body, Rock, the body. You might go to the body on somebody like Terrence Crawford has been. And uh, look, I mean, there is some, some real pop and some sentiment behind this guy. And it's one of the reasons why uh, ESPN has signed him on and, and why he is a big deal uh, that more and more fans are going to be finding out about. Oh, yeah, man. Definitely looking forward to it. Since I can't fight myself, I like watching the controlled violence on TV often. Uh, and, you know, we've had some good fights of late, TJ, at least, you know, on paper, a lot of good cards to, to, to show. It's good to see the sport, you know, moving in this direction here where we're starting to see some, some good competition. So I'm excited. I will plug for ESPN. They did a great job in the preview mode. If you get a chance to go on the Watch ESPN app or go relive it online, etc. Teddy Atlas, the longtime analyst who's a former uh, trainer and corner man for Mike Tyson. You know him. He's from up in your part of the world, up in New York, and he's a bit of a madman, like a mad scientist on the boxing coverage on ESPN. Yeah. Atlas sat with Terrence Crawford, with Bud Crawford, and uh, and they really went through his career, his development, his biggest fights, and they spent about an hour. So that show is out there on the Internet. I got a chance to watch that show. And one of the interesting things, and we'll see this in this fight, is Crawford is a natural right-hander, but he will switch. He's learned to fight southpaw. He will switch and fight southpaw as well. And they even laid it out in this show, Ari, that he will do that in the course of a round a couple of different times. Go orthodox, southpaw, back to orthodox, et cetera, et cetera. What do you make of that skill set and, and how tough it is to fight a fighter that can that effortlessly just switch back and forth and still be effective. I mean, obviously, he has some you know, form of ambidextry to be able to do that and tremendous athleticism to be able to you know, mix and match it enough for it to, to cause you know, some sort of disruption in the fight. And uh, it's definitely hard to train against because you have to find sparring partners that, that are able to do that. And you know, it's a skill set that isn't really... It's relatively rare. I mean, if you, 
you know, it's one thing if you're a southpaw and then learning how to fight right-handed, kind of like Rocky had to do uh, <laughs> in the movies. Uh, but, but uh, you know, in, in reality, being a right-hander naturally and then learning how to fight left, you, you naturally already have to have the gift to be able to use both hands to begin with, and then obviously the angles. And to be able to do something like that within a round is definitely a disruptive, you know, construct. And it's probably one of the reasons why, you know, he's knocked out seven of the last eight opponents that he's had is because it's so difficult to keep up with the angles and, and, and how to defend against it, which angle is he coming from, uh, how is he cutting off the ring. It changes based upon the direction of where your, I guess, your lead hand is. And I, I just, you know, it, it definitely is something that, that is the reason why this young man is undefeated so far across the, uh, across the platforms he's fought. Um, you know, and, and it should be interesting to see how that works out and how he implements that strategy on Saturday night. Yes, and so uh, again, he'll be fighting in Omaha, Nebraska in front of the home crowd, being uh, basically bolstered by that home crowd, that's for sure. Uh, and he's shown power with either hand, has Terrence Crawford, and he's just recently moved up to welterweight. So this will be the first defense of a championship that he won uh, back earlier this summer in June over uh, Australian Jeff Horn. Horn, followed the bouncing ball, had defeated Manny Pacquiao to win the WBA version uh, or actually the WBO version of the belt. I can't keep the alphabet soup straight. Uh, back a year plus ago, and so Horn had a version of the championship, and, and really Crawford dominated him, wore him down, used the southpaw stance a bunch with the lead right-hand jab and the left hooks and eventually stopped him in the ninth round. So this is the first defense of the title. Ari, what does it say for the versatility uh, from a weight standpoint, that Crawford fought for about three or four years as a light welterweight at 140 pounds, dominated that division, unified the title, moves right up and fights Horn, whatever you have to say about Horn's skill set or not, handled him and knocked him out. What does that say to you? Well, it just says that the guy is, you know, probably a legit tight boxer here that he's able to move within the different weight classes. I mean, obviously it's not a huge jump from light welterweight to welterweight, but it is enough of a jump in the fact that he won it right off the bat. Now, if I'm not mistaken, going back to Horn, now Horn is wasn't tomato can, but Horn beat Pacquiao. Was that in that was that fight in that large stadium where Right in Australia. Like, correct. Made, correct. Yeah, that's right. They made this I felt like they like it took him forty five minutes just to get into the ring at that point. <laughs> I thought this is, you notice know, this is just he wore, so large. He wore Pacquiao down on the ring walk. Yes. Yes. I, I I don't know if you remember that. I may have been texting you at that point. Yes. I was like, How long is it taking to get in this ring? I think but but uh you know, anyway, you know, Horn Horn fought that guy was tough. Horn was and watching that fight against Pacquiao, who's obviously you know one of the better fighters in the weight class historically, um, you know, and, and and seeing how Horn was just unbelievably tough, and the fact that Crawford was able to dismantle him within nine rounds, uh, just shows you the type of competitor that this Crawford man is. Is just, you know, that that like I said, that's not a tomato can victory, and he comes right off the bat with the, with the title uh, a title shot, and and he knocks it out. He knocks it out the park. Uh, you know, so, so obviously he's ready. He's ready. You know, he's ready because he took care of his first, you know, opponent. And, and, and it's funny because it shows you that he's ready because he was the way that the whole boxing thing is worked. They stripped him of a few titles and like wealth away. So he's like, all right, screw that. Let me go for a bigger purse at the next round. Um, at this point, then I can control my own destiny a little bit better because I'm not fighting who you want me to fight when you want me to fight. 
you know, and, and so what happens is, is that, okay, become the championship here, you get a little bit more leverage, especially early on. Um, you know, but he's going to be, he's going to face a lot of challenges, uh, including one on Saturday night. Cause he, again, he's not the, the, the good thing about this for us, especially as boxing fans is that he's not really going to be facing too many tomato cans because he's not, that there's too much division within the division amongst the belts. Uh, on, on top of that, so there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be calling his name out, you know, especially if he wins on Saturday night. So basically, everybody that's going to be coming up in the next, you know, six months to a year, this guy, he's going to have to probably fight if they're healthy and we put these things together, uh, you know. But but it just shows you that this 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 young man is ready to go. He's ready to rock, um, and you know, he knocked out Horn, you know, just a few months ago in June, and he's ready to go on Saturday night. And you know, I'll be interested. You see, going back to that style to see what he what he, uh, you know, employs against uh, his opponent. Well, you brought up a good point. Like, I know you're big on the Marvin Hagler thing. We've talked to you about that before as we talk with Ari Russell here on Big Fight Weekend. You can follow him at Ari Russell. As we get ready for Terrence Crawford and Jose Benavides in the World Welterweight title fight that'll be on ESPN Saturday night, coming Saturday evening, 10.30 Eastern time is the fight card. It'll The, the championship fight will probably start right around 11.30 Eastern time, something like that, on Saturday night. You're a big Marvin Hagler guy, and Hagler was the perennial southpaw but he learned yeah. how to fight orthodox and there were a couple of fights including mm-hmm. the duran decision and maybe even the leonard decision where right. some criticized hey you fought orthodox too much you didn't stay southpaw long enough in those fights so in, in making reference points i know roy jones fooled around some and fought some southpaw as well as being a righty but but Crawford is a rarity in being able to do both, and it's going to be a real challenge for Benavides to figure that that part out. But yeah, your guy, I got to slip in a guy, a reference for your guy, Marvin Hagler, there as a, <laughs> as a big southpaw. I, I mean, you know, I mean, right? Hagler is like the known southpaw, you know, most recently, you know, the guy. But he, like you said, he also was able to learn to to punch with his offhand, and uh, you know, which made him such a dangerous fighter. Of course, once you get to such an elite level, and people are going to criticize him. He was still fighting the top boxers in the class probably of all time and still, you know, was able to fight those long matches there. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, getting knocked out in the first, second round. I mean, these are, these are long historic fights that he fought. So the criticism against Hagler is kind of ridiculous considering the opponents that he had to face uh, and, and his record does to say against, uh, against those opponents that weren't at the elite level, which the elite level, like I said, is historically elite. You know, and, and, and he was one of those guys that really was able to use both hands. You mentioned Roy Jones Jr., another guy that was probably one of the most dominant fighters in the history of the division uh, that he had fought. In fact, it was so it was so imbalanced. He had to force himself in order to remain comp- in competition up to the light heavyweight. Of course, he ran into, you know, actual really good boxers in our Antonio Tarver at the time in that division where it was the first time he actually faced major competition. Uh, but but Roy Jones was another guy that was able to use both hands. You never knew which direction he was going in at any particular time. Plus, he was also a big taunter. I mean, he used to like literally stick his neck out and just move his <laughs> neck to dodge punches. It was, it was ridiculous. I mean, he would just uh, it, it, Roy Jones in his prime was was one of the best of all time, and I don't think there's anyone that can argue that. Well, and, and um, one and one of the things you know, that he did that Crawford does was utilize the angles and the body punching and things like that kind of old school, knock guys out. Remember, he knocked out Virgil Hill with a body shot. That's exactly what 
uh, Crawford did back uh, to Julius Ndongo in the World Welt in the World Junior Welterweight Unification fight. It was a one punch third round body shot that that Ndongo couldn't get I up. I think from. I remember actually watching that. Oh, fight. Yeah. Actually, I think I recall watching that fight, and I'm like, wait a second. And then you look at the replay, and yep. then it, it, you're like, wait a second. You first saw it in live action, like what happened, and then you saw it in replay, you're like, oh. Right on the liver. Oh, Boom. Right your on whole, the liver. Your whole, your, your whole innards, as we say in the South, go, go, go completely asleep, and you fall yeah. over and can't get up, can't breathe. Exactly, yeah. So I remember seeing that. Uh, you know, that those body shots are, are wild, and especially, like you said, if you're able to, to go on both angles, it makes it very difficult to, to be able to defend against that. So, you know, again, like – like that's what Jones used to do often, you know, and, and he would like different ways and different ways to knock somebody out. Like he was, he would get bored. So he would look for different ways to knock people out and yeah, knocking someone out in the body shot is, is kind of a big deal. You know I mean? It's just like, wow, like you're that strong. You're able to knock someone out just by going to the body. Everyone assumes you got to hit the chin, but uh, you know, knocking someone out in a 10 count where they can't even get off the campus off the body you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, uh, macho, macho concept, as you ask me. And, you know, it's the fact that you have that in your arsenal really makes you a dangerous fighter. Uh, let's get to the opponent here. We haven't probably given him enough of his due. Jose Benavides is his name. Benavides is a Mexican-American fighter born in California, has, has been raised and trained a lot in Arizona. More on that aspect of the story. Undefeated, 27-0, 18 of them by knockout. And Benavides uh, really was a fast-rising amateur star, the youngest ever Golden Gloves national champion at 16 years of age back over a decade ago. Uh, now, uh, as a professional, was a rising star in the light welterweight and now the welterweight division. But Ari, he got derailed uh, after a shooting, a random shooting, a crime that was never solved in Arizona a couple of years ago. He was shot in the leg while walking his dog. And Benavides was basically told, you're going to have to relearn how to walk in physical therapy and rehab, and your boxing career is probably over. Uh, you're in jeopardy of never being able to fight again. This is a 24-year-old. When that happened, he lost two prime years of his career and proved any doubters or naysayers wrong coming back from being shot in the leg to fight uh, this past year and score a couple of knockouts. One of those knockouts came on the undercard of the Crawford Horn fight back in June when he knocked out Colombian Frank Rojas in the first round. This guy's got legit right-hand punching power, and it is it is not, as you referenced, a tomato can, a pushover, a stiff. This guy's got a right-hand right. bomb and is a threat to Terrence yeah. Crawford. No, 100%. And, and you know, obviously the, that storyline behind him, you know, helps the narrative of this whole fight. It, it brings you kind of to a certain degree, kind of reminds you of the Vinny Pazienza story. Uh, I mean, he had a, I mean, Pazienza story. Right. I mean, they thought he couldn't walk, period. Broken neck paralyzed. from a, came, right, from a car wreck. Yeah, right. from a car, car accident. Uh, and he came back and he was able to fight and win, you know, win as well. So uh, a similar storyline, definitely something where it's just like, you know, it's hard not to root for a young person that, that comes off of, you know, such a tragic situation and was able to rise and get back to where, where he was before. And, you know, obviously this is a huge opportunity for, for him to, to basically get back on the stage where he was prior, where everyone thought he might be at at this point, except he's in the challenger role at this point. But still, again, he has an opportunity to win a belt. 
you know, to say come to this point after that two-year hiatus and have a couple of fights underneath him, knocking out that opponent the same night that Crawford won the title, and then turning around in the next fight fighting the very same boxer that he was on the undercard for. Uh, a great storyline. Again, this, I believe, could be a great fight. You know, I, I, this is the beauty of boxing now where we're at, is that we're at a point now in boxing, especially in these middle divisions, where we really have a lot of solid competition for the first time in a long time, where it was sporadically kind of where everything was sporadic. I believe things are starting to come together and, and synthesizing now in the sport. We're seeing that in the heavyweight division a little bit more, you know, with, with Joshua and Wilder. Middleweight divisions are starting to synthesize as well, and I think on Saturday night we're going to see one of those fights between two young fighters, relatively young fighters still, uh, you know, that, that are – on the precipice of really challenging to, to make this, this type of division really competitive as it was not, not saying it's going to be like it was in the eighties or even in the early nineties, you know, but getting to a point where there's going to be some more interest nationally, because we're going to start seeing more fights consistently amongst these fighters that yep. are actually pretty darn good fighters and potential champions. And I think that's great. He has a great shot here. You know, Crawford really is a great skillful fighter like we've been talking about. But this young man's spirit alone, just to get back into the ring and reach this point, I mean, you can't really say enough about that. Again, he's talking about Jose Benavides, the challenger in this fight. Uh, how much do you make, Ari Russell, of the fact that Benavides has to go fight him on his home turf? We talked about this as a reference point in the Anthony Joshua big fight weekend that we did, that uh, the Russian Povetkin had to go into Wembley Stadium and, and essentially fight 90,000 partisan fans along with Joshua uh, here at uh, at that arena in Omaha where the uh, where the Creighton Blue Jays play basketball. They're, they're going to have easy easily 10,000 and maybe upwards of 12 to 15,000 Terrence Crawford fans going berserk. How big a challenge for Benavides will that be Saturday night? I don't think it's as much of a challenge as it was for him to actually get back into the ring in the first place. I mean, you know, at this point, you know, I'm sure he's probably humble enough to believe that the fact that he has this opportunity is blessing enough, you know, so I I don't think that that's going to play a role. I think it's better for Crawford per se, as far as him. I don't think it, that it's a plus for Crawford, but I don't think it's a negative for Benavides at all. I don't think at this point where he's yep. at, you know, he's probably, you know, and I think that plays a role. I think psychologically for him, it's not going to make a difference for him. I do believe in the fight, the Anthony Joshua fight. I do believe that the, that stadium, that location played a role uh, in, 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 in Joshua being able to have a tremendous amount of dominance over time. But again, Wembley Stadium is one of the biggest stadiums on the planet. I mean, we're not we're comparing that venue to the Creighton yep. Blue Jays venue. Is kind of, <laughs> you know, still they will be rockers. You know, not saying it doesn't get loud. Not saying it yep. doesn't get loud. You yep. know, but it's it's not the same. Well, hey, it's, it's not the same. You it's, made reference to Pazienza, and again, we're going back older school. Again, old, old school is like the 50s, 60s, and 70s in boxing. But you, you and I are going newer old school, and Vinny Pazienza in the 80s would always fight in Rhode Island. He was a humongous 
draw and story where he was from in Rhode Island, the Pasmanian Devil. And so he got to the point, just like Crawford, where he won the belts, and if you wanted to come take them from him, you had to go to one of the smallest states in the Union. You had to go to Rhode Island to fight him. And he would fight in the little Providence, whatever it's called now, I guess it's the Dunkin' Donuts Center, what was the Providence Civic Center, and there there would be about 8,000 maniac New Englanders that you would have to contend with uh, to fight Pazienza. So we just make references to the, I mean, Hagler, your guy, used to fight in the day in Boston and in the Northeast before he became a megastar and fought in Vegas. We've recently seen Deontay Wilder fighting in Alabama, fighting in Birmingham, Alabama as the heavyweight champ. You know, to the victor goes Mm -hmm. the spoils, and you get to write that into the contract. Hey, come fight me in Omaha, and that's what Benavides is going to have to do with Terrence Crawford on Saturday night. Okay, a couple more uh, before I let you go. We've made reference to the other champs, Errol Spence, Keith Thurman, who's in my part of the world in West Central Florida, coming back from injury. Uh, Thurman's still the WBA champ, even though he's had a year off because of injury. He's back training. Sean Porter is the WBC champ. He beat Danny Garcia earlier uh, in September uh, for the WBC belt. We have four Americans, Ari, you made reference to this, that we got to see these guys fight against each other. 2019-2020, that's going to make the welterweight division even greater, right? No, absolutely. They're all going to have to fight each other to make some unification at some point if there will be a unified fight. I don't know, man. It's hard to say which one is, is the superior. I mean, we have at one point I thought Thurman was the guy to, to, to make it. You know, he was winning all these fights. He was, he was challenging everyone that was out there. And then he had the, the injury, uh, which, which set him back, certainly. And he's kind of quieted him down for a little bit. But he's, gonna, he's starting to get back rolling here. So that's good. Uh, you know, and again, and, and even if uh, Benavides wins it, that's another American. So, you know, you're dealing with, you know, and like I said, he's legit too. And he's going to also try to fight some of these other guys too. Uh, you know, whoever wins this fight tonight is going to be pointing out whoever the next belt they want to go after next is. You know, you got to believe, be if I can interject, you got to believe if Benavides upsets him, there's an immediate rematch. I mean, I don't know if Crawford wins by knockout. I don't know if they ever fight again. If Benavides somehow wins this fight, isn't it an immediate rematch like early next year with Crawford somehow, some way? Yeah, you usually that's the case. You know, usually it'll probably be a January fight, even that soon, maybe maybe in February, something like that, because, you know, usually when the champion loses a fight to a challenger, yeah, then they're going to get the, they usually are allowed to get that rematch. Uh, the other way around, it's usually you dispose of your opponent and you move forward, unless it's one of those really close fights like uh, like we saw Toro Gotti, Mickey Ward years yeah. ago, um, you know, where Ward wins the title, uh, you know, but then, you know, even though he was the challenger, uh, well, in that case, he was a challenger. So yeah, he he got it. So he kind of he kind of had to fight again. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. Is it, is it is it a close enough fight where you know where Benavides, even if he loses, might have a shot at the rematch? I don't know if the rematch would happen immediately. You know, but in this case, I believe yeah, if Crawford were to lose, yeah, he would have to actually go back and make that challenge again to get sure. that belt back. Let me, let me give you a uh, reference you know. point. Let me give you a reference point on this. There was an up-and-coming star, uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez is his name, from Panama, who was unbeaten and knocked almost everybody out that he had fought, and then he lost the, uh, the junior bantamweight belt to a, a Thai fighter, and I'm going to hopefully get the name right, Srikasset Sorungvisai is his name. He, he knocked... Mm-hmm. 
uh, Chocolatito out in surprising fashion. This was supposed to be just another guy that he was fighting, but Sorung Visai is a muscular, power-punching, left-hook, big left-hook fighter who knocked Chocolatito out, and it, and it was a brutal uh, knockout and stoppage. And his people, Gonzalez's people, wanted the rematch fairly quickly. They did a rematch within six months, and guess what? Ari Sorung Visai proved it was no fluke. He bombed him and knocked him out again inside of three rounds, and Chocolatito may never be the same again. It may never be a champion again. That's the risk you take when you step in the ring. But there's there's an example where an unknown challenger bombed an up-and-coming worldwide star, potentially, and beat him twice and knocked him out twice inside of six months. So that has recently happened well, in the last couple of years. So who knows? That didn't, that didn't happen with Hasin Rahman, who knocked the hell out of... Uh, <laughs> Lennox Lewis, Lewis at one time in that first round, and Lennox Lewis disposed of him yep. quicker than you know a, ba- a bad you know a bad uh, <laughs> habit, yeah. you know Apple here, <laughs> yeah, bad habit, uh, yeah, just dispose, you know. So like you know, this I, I don't know, man. I it, I think it's the the division is really crowded at this point, um, you know, and I think that the winner of this is going to be able is going to be called out by whoever else is standing by the, the guys, you know, Porter, Spence, Thurman. Um, you know, obviously Crawford has the upper hand on deciding what happens if you were to lose next. But again, you know, Benavidez might be like, you know what, I want Spence before I go back to Crawford. Or, you know, or if, if he knocks him out. It depends how if, he wins. If he wins, wins you got to come fight me in California, in my hometown, or in Arizona, or wherever he wants right. to fight, and maybe it's a different circumstance if that's the case. Or you're right, he might go yeah. fight one of the other champs to try to unify the belt. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, again, I mean, Crawford, a lot of it's going to ha- come down to where the money is. Like, right. which is the best payday for them? You know, at the end of the day, I mean, this is, this is a sport where you're, you know... You, CTE is a huge possibility. So, you know, getting as much money as you can in the early stages of your career is definitely the goal. <laughs> uh, well, and if you're and if you're payday. Crawford, he's the overwhelming favorite. He's the draw here. He's got the multi-year deal with ESPN and top rank to fight on ESPN and ESPN's uh, app, the ESPN Plus app. So it's a humongous risk every time that he's in the ring because they have millions and millions and millions of dollars invested in Terrence Crawford. So let's see, with all the pressure on him and with all the eyes on him, yep. what happens? Do I sneak a quick prediction here? Is this Crawford all the way? Uh, Is this Crawford in a stoppage? What What do you think happens? I think Crawford wins it. I think Crawford wins it in a stoppage in the 10th round. I think it's a stoppage where they're going to have to like, – he. He, he tags him a little bit too much. Not a straight-out knockout, but one of those standing eight that the ref calls a TKO. Yeah, well, and keep in mind, again, he stopped seven of his last eight fighters. Uh, the only one that went the distance, Victor Postal, the Ukrainian, in 2016. His last uh, six fights have ended, or his last uh, f- four fights, excuse me, have ended early. Seven of the last eight all of them title affairs. So if Benavides is able to stretch this into the sixth round, the eighth round, the tenth round, that's kind of advantage him. Let's see if he's able to land some big shots or not. Listen, I always love the insight from you talking the sweet science. Let's see if Bud Crawford, Terrence Crawford, takes the next big step Saturday night in Omaha, Nebraska as part of Big Fight Weekend. Ari Russell, thank you. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Touch Vodka. Drink, eat, live, local Touch Vodka. 
We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. Won't be long now before the WBO Welterweight Championship title fight for Terrence Crawford, Omaha, Nebraska. ESPN televising Jose Benavides is the opponent, unbeaten opponent. And we're anxious to see if Crawford can make the first defense of that welterweight title. Multi-time defender of the junior welterweight championship. Now he moves up to 147. We'll see how it goes. Uh, We're back in here on Big Fight Weekend in the preview mode of this fight that is coming up on Saturday evening. And I want to welcome in a special guest who is looky here. We already have someone that says we believe enough in Big Fight Weekend that we want to be part of it. The president of Fat Dog Spirits, which is the parent company for Touch Vodka, is Mr. Ron Bartholomew, here to talk some boxing and some Touch Vodka as well. Good to have you, my friend. I know you're a big fight fan, and we're getting ready for a big Saturday night fight. TJ, man, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here with you on the Big Fight Weekend, and glad to talk a little bit about Crawford, man. About my guys, so I'm, I'm I'm excited to be on with you guys, and uh, let's talk about some fight action, man. Yeah, let's talk about the fact that you saw Crawford ringside in June in the win over Jeff Horn. I am first of all, I am profoundly jealous that you were ringside in Vegas <laughs> to see this fight. Tell me about what you saw as he moved up to 147 and won fairly easily. Look, listen, it was not even a. a to be honest, I, I thought that the fight would end much quicker. Um, Crawford is, is supremely talented. Um, not that Jeff Horn uh, isn't. I just think that Jeff Horn was overmatched from the, the, the ring of the bell. Um, you know, I actually was sitting right behind um, Jeff Horn's wife um, and some of his team, uh, his guys. And I was like, man, I think it's going to be a long night. Of course, I didn't tell his wife that. I wouldn't be that disrespectful, but I did tell his guys, I think it's going to be a long night. Um, and, and it was. And, and But you know what? To give um, credit to Crawford, I think he was very careful, um, but more he was so precise in the fight. I mean, everything that he hit Horn with was counting the whole way. So, I, I, you know, what I like about Crawford is is that you get a you get a very clean fight. You get a you can see the strategy. It's not always the same with him, but he has he's very efficient and 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 um, very exciting at the same time. But what I love about him is is that. He's supremely talented, and he does not take anyone for granted. And I think that's what we're going to see this week, this upcoming weekend. Well, one thing that we've brought up before you came on, and this is kind of unusual and shows his talent, is that Crawford will turn southpaw and turn back orthodox like in the same sequence in the same round two <laughs> or three times. You saw that up that's close. Right. It makes him a very difficult fighter to fight from in terms of angles and defense and that kind of stuff, right? I think what it does is not only um, confuses the the challenger, I think it, it really upsets them in a way because it's hard to get to him. He's changing the angles all the time. And like I said, he's just, I think, pound for pound, he's one of the best out there now. Don't get me wrong. There's some up-and-comers coming. But right now, Crawford is, I think, pound for pound, uh, the number one guy. All right, and now you also were there for earlier in the evening when Jose Benavides, who's the challenger on Saturday night, fought on the yep. undercard, knocked out Frank Rojas. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Frank Rojas, but he went down and went down right. quickly. So give me a quick scouting report, having been ringside, to see the challenger uh-huh. score a knockout in June. Hey, it was. A, I think if I can recall correctly, I think it was a first-round knockout. Yes. Um, it happened rather quickly. Um, uh, uh, Benavidez came out with uh, some, some nice fanfare as well as his brother does 
um, at times. And actually, I thought it was his brother actually fighting on that card until I realized when I saw him coming to the ring because I've seen them both fight. So what I'll say is this, is that I think um, he's a very skilled fighter. I just think that coming into this particular fight against Crawford, I think he's overmatched. Now, any given fight night, anything can happen based on skill, right? And so, I mean, you know, I think Crawford is going to take his time before he just really exert his force on him. But I think uh, Benavitez is uh, kind of overmatched in this one, if you will. And, you know, the, the two-year layoff that we've been talking about before you came on, he got shot in the leg, had a two-year layoff. He's had two fights now in 2018, right. and this is clearly, by far, by a mile, the best fighter that he's ever fought. And he's fighting on enemy right. territory in Omaha, so we'll see how that goes. Again, Ron Bartholomew is with me, who is the president of Fat Dog Spirits. They're the parent company of Touch Vodka, which is a brand-new brand that is out there. Ron, tell the listeners, the Big Fight Weekend audience, more about Touch Vodka and why they need to know more about it. All right, well, Touch Vodka is our flagship brand. We're born and bred in Florida. Um, our distillery is in Tampa, Florida, right outside of Ybor City. And we locally source everything from the state of Florida that goes for our fruits, that goes for everything that's put into um, our special vodka. Um, I'll tell you this, that, you know, it's, it's new in one way because we've kind of rebranded it. But actually, the company Fat Dog Spirits has been around for 14 years. So in that 14 years, we've owned it the last three years. And I like to say we reinvented it um, and made it better. But, but it, it's been a mainstay in Florida, but now we've given it legs to be able to be all over the state of Florida and also uh, in my hometown of New Orleans and some surrounding areas of Louisiana. But it's a fine vodka, um, a, a, a top-shelf vodka, and it's uh, distributed through two small distributors. Uh, in Florida, it's distributed through 3R Distribution, and in Louisiana, it's uh, distributed through Crew du, du Bijou uh, Distribution. Now, we also have uh, other products we we have right now a, a product by the name of Nirvana Spirits, um, and it's Nirvana Gin and Nirvana Vodka, and that's actually uh, distributed through the number one distributor in the world, Southern Glacier Wine and Spirits. So, Fat Dog Spirits, we have a lot going on right now. Touches our flagship brand, Nirvana as an emerging brand with exponential growth, and right now we're just having a real good time, uh, enjoying the growth and the uh, success of the products, uh, predicated on. Uh, the hard-working people on my team uh, and the, the people of the great state of Florida, um, you know, we've done our best to be able to get this this product and our products all together uh, across the world globally. So you have to start somewhere. Um, it was started some time ago, and now we're on our way. Well, and, and I love what you say in the ad. It's a taste of Florida, and you can take it with you outside of the state of Florida. Then go to Touch Vodka and find out more about how to get a hold of this great product. And I know you've just you've just launched this, and, and it's, a, it's a special thing. It's a significant thing. It's an exciting thing for you guys at Fat Dog Spirits, yeah. right? It's very exciting. The, the entire team, man, I tell you, um, when we're in the building together, it's, we're really excited about what we're doing. What's most exciting, uh, TJ, to be honest, is when you get people, uh, give them the opportunity to experience the product, to taste the product. Um, that's when you, when you can have an opportunity to sit back and smile. It's a premium product. Um, we locally source the fruits. That's, uh, the fruit flavors that we do have for touch um, is key lime. We have key lime. We have uh, uh, ruby red grapefruit. We have Valencia orange. And we also make one, uh, the artisan is actually made from honey and grain. 
And then we have another one that we just, this is brand, brand new, uh, Touch One. Touch O-N-E uh, is now becoming uh, the, in the forefront, and it's a corn-based gluten-free vodka um, that we made, you know, for, you know, to, to be gluten-free. So that's the only one that we have on the line that we can actually legally say gluten-free. Um, but what we're doing is we're just trying to make uh, great products and, and get it out to the people so they can have uh, a good time and drink responsibly. How about that? So all of those different flavors. Say those flavors again, the different ones of Touch Vodka, the different types? Yes. Yeah, so we have Key Lime. We have Ruby Red Grapefruit. We have Valencia Orange. We have the Artisan, which is made from honey and grain. And then we have Touch One, which is uh, made from corn and is gluten-free, original flavors. We cannot emphasize enough. Go to touchvodka.com and find out more about this new emerging brand from Fat Dog Spirits. Their president, Ron Bartholomew, with me for another moment or two. So, again, we encourage the if if uh, if there are the, uh, those customers that are interested, they can find it if they're in Florida, in particular if they're in Tampa. But even if not, they can find out more by going to the website and find out how to get a hold yes. of it as well by going to the website, correct? Yes, you can go to uh, the website, and then where can you find Touch? You'll find it on the location page, and we do update that via locations weekly. Every week, um, you'll find that you can find it uh, at Total Wine and Spirits across the state of Florida. So uh, that'll be anywhere in Jacksonville, down to Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Panhandle. Um, we also have, we're, we're with Lucan's Liquors, which has, um, I think, about seven different stores. But we, you should be able to find us in the over a little bit over 500 locations at this point across the state of Florida. And it's that? growing. And growing. And find out more about how you can get some, if, even if you're outside of Florida, by going to Touch Vodka and staying in touch with that. All right, one more circling back to the fight. Okay. Would it surprise you if this one goes a long way, or or do you think Crawford may dispose of Benavidez early in this fight Saturday night in Omaha? You know, I thought the Jeff Horn fight would, matter of fact, uh, I put a small wage on it that it would end <laughs> earlier than <laughs> earlier than it did. So, um, I, you know, the Crawford he's very careful. Um, and he kind of figures you out. So it depends. I don't know how long it would take them to figure it out, figure uh, Benavitez out. But I'll say maybe about the fifth or sixth round is where I see trouble coming because I I think uh, within the first or second round you'll probably see just some, maybe some minimal action, kind of each other, uh, each of the guys trying to figure each other out. I think third and fourth, I think you'll see uh, Crawford kind of switching up. Um, and then I think maybe the fifth or sixth is when it's going to happen. So I have Crawford all the way. I, I'll call it sixth round. Let's let's be safe and say the sixth round. Hey, and we keep saying if he wins this, do you think we see? I mean, Keith Thurman is a local guy. That's the WBA welterweight champion. You got Errol Spence out of Dallas. You've got Sean Porter out of California. Will we see these guys all mix it up together? Maybe 2019, 2020, and have a unification. What do you think? You know, I don't know. I don't think anyone wants to fight Errol Spence. I'm just going to be honest about that. Um, Keith Thurman had the uh, elbow injury. Right. Um, with Keith, I, I think Keith is is a superior fighter. Um, I tell you, one time I went to Keith's fight. I'm trying to remember who it was that he fought last in Vegas, and I I got caught on the strip and had to go back to my room and watch the fight. I had ringside seats for that fight, but but that's a whole other thing. But I watched it in the room at Aria with my daughter, and I made so much noise that security had to come and check uh, out what happened. But I tell you, man, um, Keith Thurman being from St. Pete, I'm with Keith Thurman all the way. I'm just saying that skill-wise, uh, Errol Spence, I can't see anybody wanting to fight him. Um, I think Errol Spence, Crawford, 
Porter, Thurman, you know, that's a superior group. I don't know how they're going to mix it up, but I think a lot of people really want to see Keith Thurman and Errol Spence. They've been trying to make that fight happen maybe. Right. I know Errol's camp has wanted it maybe two years now, and it hasn't happened. So I don't know if Keith is 100%. I think he'll fight anybody. I think what you get with Sean Porter is is that you know when you fight Sean Porter, you got to bring your best because he wants to get on the inside, and he's going to give you everything that, that he has. It's going to be a lot of effort. And so I think he can fight with any of the guys. I'm not sure he will still come out on top, but you have to bring your best with him. So I don't know. I hope we see them all fight. I know uh, Crawford is – I think Crawford and and Spence are the cream of the crop. I would say that Thurman is somewhere right there, and I would uh, put Porter just a little bit maybe under Thurman. I would say say Errol Spence and uh, and Terrence Crawford, not necessarily in that order. Number one, I would say Thurman 1A, and I would say Porter maybe 1A- minus or 1B. I love the breakdown. Can this guy break it down or what? Uh, Ron Bartholomew, president of Fat Dog Spirits. He was probably doing some touch vodka business, and that's why he couldn't sit ringside for the Thurman fight and had to go back to the room. I love that, too. Listen, one more time. We want them to go to touchvodka.com, and we want them to uh, drink, eat, live local touch vodka. It's a taste of Florida, right? But they can get it wherever they are, and, they, and we love that, right? That's correct. And don't, also, don't forget about Nirvana. Nirvana Vodka and Nirvana Gin. It's a new uh, cutting-edge gin and vodka that's out in the market, only in the state of Florida um, right now, but we're looking to be uh, to go to multiple states starting in 2019. So Touch Vodka, Nirvana Vodka, Nirvana Gin, look out for it. We're trying to bring it to you. We want you to enjoy it in your living room. Or if you take your significant other out, we want you to enjoy it, but enjoy it responsibly. So we appreciate it. TJ, thank you for having me on the Big Fight Weekend. I'm looking forward to the fight this weekend. I'm just glad to be a part of, of your show, and I appreciate the call, man. Well, and we're thrilled to have Touch Vodka as part of Big Fight Weekend. Again, go to touchvodka.com to find out more, and we cannot wait for Saturday night just after probably around 11.15, 11.30 Eastern time as the undercard is wrapping up. We'll get on with Big Fight Weekend's main event, which is Terrence Crawford, WBO welterweight champion, and Jose Benavides. Will Benavides have something for him? Uh, we talked with both the guests and both thought this fight would go a few rounds. It would not surprise me if Crawford scores early and often and maybe even scores an early round knockout in this one, third round, fourth round, something like that. Let's see if Benavides can keep the challenge up and make the fight interesting and maybe even score a shocking upset. He's a decided underdog in this fight in Omaha, Nebraska. Again, it's coming down Saturday night for Crawford's WBO Welterweight Championship. My thanks to Ari Russell, based there in New York City. You can follow him at Ari Russell. Also, Ron Bartholomew, the president of Fat Dog Spirits and Touch Vodka. Go to touchvodka.com to find out more. Helping me preview this fight coming up on Saturday evening. I'm merely TJ Reeves on behalf of our friends at Radio Influence. We thank you for being with us. Subscribe to this show. Anytime that this show is new, it'll come right to your device if you subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just look us up under Big Fight Weekend. That's what we're excited to bring you. Whenever there's a huge fight, we'll be on in the pre-fight and the post-fight mode. We'll come back after Saturday night and recap this one. Will it be a big Crawford win? Will he look ahead to those unification fights with the other welterweight champions, the other Americans? Or will Benavides pull a shocker, shocker, shocker of an upset? That's why it's boxing. That's why we tune in. Anything can happen. We look forward to it Saturday night. Thank you for being with us as part of this preview edition A Big Fight Weekend. 
This is the Landry Football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Drew Brees, he damages his shoulder severely. He gets it operated on. The rehab is arduous. Just the rehab alone tells you the competitiveness, the character, the work ethic that Drew Brees has. Most most not coming back from that injury, maybe ever. He did. The injury was so severe. But here's what is not known. Nick Saban, after hearing from his doctors, who has a personal connection with Dr. James Andrews. By now, most of you know who Dr. James Andrews is. He's a renowned orthopedic surgeon, considered the best in the country, is in Alabama, but is an LSU graduate. There's a connection. First of all, everyone has a connection with Dr. Andrews. Every team in the league, college programs around the country, send their kids to Dr. Andrews to have them looked at. But there's a special connection because Dr. Andrews, who's noted as an Alabama and Auburn you know, team physician and Redskins and whatnot, again, has a connection to LSU, knows Nick Saban. So he sends Drew Brees Back to Dr. Andrews. Dr. Andrews was the guy that did the surgery on Drew Brees. He has a connection with Nick Saban. Dr. Andrews said, I would not take Drew Brees. I don't think he's coming back. Now, I love Dr. Andrews. Thinks he thinks the world of him. Dr. Andrews just told people, oh, no, I, I, told, I told Nick, I told people uh, he was going to come back. It's not true. I heard Dr. Andrews myself on a conference call say, chances of him coming back, and throwing the football at an NFL level again is very minimal. There's the exact words. Still got it in my notes. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.